welcome to the Marcus Coat Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Coat. Welcome back, guys. Thanks again for your tuning in each week to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. On today's episode, I'm joined by Darlington, who is the head soccer coach of the JMF Academy. That's who I currently have got a job with down at Boralua, so it's awesome to be able to get him on. He has an incredible story, so please sit back and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Marcus Coat Fitness Podcast, Darlington. Thank you very much. It's awesome to be able to have you on. You have a great story. I know the listeners are going to get a lot out of, out of it today as well. Firstly, how are you going and how is uh, Baralura going for you too? Well, so far so good. Not too bad, I would say. That's good. It makes a new day. That's right. I, that's <laughs> what we, we've spoken about before. I think every day is a challenge for us yeah. and every day is different. So it uh, keeps us on our toes. So for listeners, obviously I've moved here with my partner and Darlington has moved here as well. So Darlington is the head coach of the uh, John Moriarty Foundation, but he's also a professional soccer player too. So I know you guys are going to get lots out of um, today, so it's going to be awesome to be able to hear Darlington's story too. So I suppose you want to start off your background, growing up, uh, did you play any other different sports besides soccer and then how did you fall in love with soccer as well? Starting with my background, my origin is Biafra, which is in Corinda, Nigeria, so but we don't like to refer to Nigerians. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm from the Igbo ethnic group. Um, in Africa, we actually identify as a force uh, ethnically before, you know, country. So I'm from the Igbo ethnic group, but now I'm Australian, having lived here for about eight years now. Yeah, so that is it about my background. Um, as regards to sports, I started playing soccer at the age, I would say, you know, just like everyone in Africa. Yep. You know, you start playing as soon as you can run and work, or work and run, you know. Yep. Um, it all started on the streets. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, the story is the same in South America or in the so-called um, third world country where you are starting the street. Yep. Um, so it was just casual thing, pick up games, street football, you know, until it gets to the point where people begin to say, okay, it looks like this guy has got some potential. Yep. You know, and then it starts sinking. And so at the age of 14, that was when I started thinking and dreaming that, okay, Perhaps I could make something out of it. Yep. You know. And so at the age of 14, um, I kind of signed my first uh, semi-pro contract, uh, where you refer to amateur. So that was the days where you have a really grown-up men playing soccer. Yep. You know. <laughs> um, a lot of those guys with full beards, <laughs> you know, looking scared. So, but, you know, I wasn't uh, scared of the physicality of the opponent and everything, so. Yep. Uh, yeah, from there on, um, that was back in Northern Nigeria. Yep. And then from there, at uh, the age of 15, 16, so 16, um, I got drafted into the Nigerian police mission. They call it police mission. Um, at the time, they were in the Division 2. Yep. Of the Nigerian Premier League. So we are at the same time treated and referred to police people. Yep. Right now. The only difference is we don't wear uniform, but we represent the police in the sport. Discipline is the same. Yep. And so I played for them for over five years. 
and then uh, during that period I got my first uh, invitation for a professional trial. Yep. And that was in the United Arab Emirates. Okay. Yeah, so that was my first trip overseas. Yep. And so I flew to Dubai. You were young at that stage as well, still. Yes, yep. I was. I was nineteen at the moment. <laughs> so very naive, very inexperienced. Haven't gone outside the shores before. So. Yeah. Well, what were your family thinking at the time then? Well, um, I have a unique story as regard to what family thinks. Yep. Um, I wasn't really encouraged to play sports at all. Yeah. Um, okay. Playing football was like a taboo. Yeah. And the reason being that. Um, Family thought I could be a better person. Yep. Uh, financially, yeah. if I could concentrate on my studies, <laughs> maybe work in the bank or be an engineer and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, but I had different ideas. Uh, yep. I grew up being punished every single day for playing sport. Yep. You know, a few times I was told, whoever see you in the soccer field, just develop your wings and fly away. Because <laughs> if you ever come back home, you know, discipline and the cane, you know, back in Africa, it's all right to use the cane on people. Yeah. So it was okay. So I was constantly getting punished and eating sometimes denied food, which I don't look back today to regret. It's part of it. Yeah. It's, it's not like I'm going to say that was child abuse. It was normal for us. Yeah. You know, but, you know, yeah. just telling you the story because that was the process of developing me to become who I am today. Yeah, definitely. And then so 19 overseas at the moment, first professional contract. How was that experience for you as well? My trip to Dubai didn't really work out. Yeah. I couldn't make that contract uh, for several reasons. One of which was that the club at the time said it was a little bit late. Yeah. My arrival to Detroit. And so I left back to Africa and then when I got back, and things actually turned out better for me because I got my first national under 20 yep. invitation. And I would say that was the first time parents took me serious. Yeah, okay. You know, because the names were published on the national television. Yep. And for the first time they believe, okay, maybe this, this uh, person can actually be useful to himself and the family. <laughs> you know? Not as if he changes anything, but I think their perception of me choosing sports as yep. uh, a career beginning to sink in. So I turned to the national under 20. And then that same year, I met, I was introduced to a soccer agent yep. who came watch me train. And after that, he, you know, took me to Egypt. Oh, yeah. Now, the process of going to Egypt, I uh, wasn't to, to play in Egypt or make any try of any sort. Yeah. I was actually heading to Cyprus. Oh, okay. Yeah. My first, second invitation came from a club called Lanika Omonia yep. in Cyprus. So I had that invitation along with another Nigerian player. So at the time, the Cyprus, in, uh, the Cyprus had no embassy or consulate yeah, okay. in Nigeria. Yeah. So you have to travel to Cairo and then get your visa from there. And then oh. <laughs> So that was how I went to Cairo. Then when I got to Cairo, things changed very dramatically. Yep. Uh, I began to hear stories of this agent. My agent and uh, his uh, partners in Egypt. Yeah. Which has to go with previous, uh, you know, arrangement that didn't go well. Yep. So I sort of caught in the middle. Yeah, okay. Uh, so movement to start was kind of stalled. Yep. But then nonetheless, uh, I went to Zamalek for trial. Yep. That didn't work out. I moved to, to Aswan. Yep. Yeah, that was good. And 
I played first one FC. Yep. But then it wasn't a good contract. But yeah. It wasn't okay. good. So yeah. Um, during that period, another agent kind of discovered me and said, "Well, I could get you a club in Asia if you'd be happy to leave." Yeah. Yeah. I said, "Yeah." You know. So that was how I left Egypt and then I yep. went to Asia. I got to Malaysia. My first trial in Malaysia was with the Malaysian Armed Forces. Yep. It's a Premier League club uh, based in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, okay. You know. And so, <laughs> when we done the trial, we, one of the day we were trading in the stadium. And uh, I came out of the stadium, my bag was gone. Oh. I come out of the field, not the stadium, but my, my bag was gone along with a few other players. So at the time, uh, the issue of snatch thieves was very common in yeah. Malaysia, and the target at the time was mostly foreigners or, yeah. or visitors. So I fell a victim of that, and in that bag was my international passport. Oh, jeez. You know, you're new to the country, yeah. you're cautious, you take everything that, you, that means Oh, that's so much. to you yeah. in the bag, so the bag was gone. So that put a salt to that contract agreement. <laughs> the is like, uh, sorry, if yeah. you don't have your passport, there's no way we can make a contract. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That makes it very tough for you. Yeah, so luckily the tourist police at the time, they saw that the story was genuine. So they offered me what they call a, um, a temporary pass. Yep. You know, um, and with that, if you get stopped or confronted by the police, you can show that to them and yeah. they know you have a, a situation. Yep. And so, uh, my worry at the time was how do I get a new passport? I couldn't travel back. Yep. And so, the issue of getting a new passport in Proxy was almost impossible. Yeah, probably but, takes a long time. Yes, but it took me three months. I worked it out. Yep. I got a new passport. By the time I got a new passport, the offer from Alphonsis was over. Yep. Despite training and playing trial matches and stuff. And so, um, it happened and coincided with a time when a club in Penang. Yep. Um, had about me. Yep. My situation. Yep. I don't know how they got the story, but uh, <laughs> they said, hey, come over. Yep. So I moved to Penang. Yep. Um, when I got to Penang, Play two. I all it took me was just to try our matches, and the club's like, Yeah, 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 this is who we want. Perfect. I, I play as a midfielder there as well. And the club at the time they were looking to gain promotion into the premiership. Yep, and so, um, they asked me, Have you got a friend you can recommend? Yeah, and so there was another player I met who was trying with me at the time. Yep, and he was a striker, so yeah, recommended him and he actually signed his contract before me yeah uh, not because he was better but yeah because yeah. my situation was uh yeah um unique even though i had a passport it has to go through the malaysian immigration yeah. to get it stamped and rectified so yeah but things happen very quickly awesome um, my contract um that's how i started playing for malaysia so you spent how long there in, in total, uh, I lived in Malaysia for 14 years. Yep. But in terms of the playing itself, it yep. was uh, two years yep. playing contra. And, and so my first season with them, I took them into the Premier League. Yep. became champions that year. That was my first uh, medal. Yeah, so how, how was that experience? Oh dear, over, you know, yep. all over. 
I mean, it's it's an experience you. Yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah. You know the excitement and yep. the acknowledgement you get from fans, spectators, the news media, and everything. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that stays with you forever too, kind of thing. And that group that you have, I think you always have the connection, like Absolutely. reunions or just catching yeah. up and then you, yeah. I, I think re reminiscing is a, such a big part of it too I think um, it is it is from time to time uh, we still have the old boys yep. getting together and making reference to those days yep. you know, so, yeah so yeah the feelings and excitement always comes back each time you know that's unreal yeah, yeah. and so the next season we won the premier premiership yep and uh, it was it was good as well you know we retained Stayed up and yeah, didn't and lose too many players. We pretty much had the similar team or a few. We had yeah. reinforcements. Yeah, uh, but with with the club trying to keep in the old players. Yeah, gotten yeah. a few more players to fortify the team. Yeah, we had players from Brazil. Um, yeah, unreal. Cameroon, Thailand, you know, and at the time though, each club is restricted to. A number of foreign players they could play. Yeah. Or, or sign. So they yeah, just awesome. have to be made up of local players. Yeah. Just to encourage the local development. Yeah. Uh, of players. And so thought the thought uh, year was when uh, things kind of fell apart. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because I got an offer with uh, Canterbury United in New Zealand. Yep. And so I wanted to leave. Yep. I wanted to leave. You know. Um, but then it happens that the club wanted me to stay for yeah, one more okay. season and I wasn't keen, so I was trying to force my way out. And while that was happening, um, the club in New, New Zealand, after one month, realized that I wasn't going to show up. So they wrote me and said, well, um, we're giving that opportunity to someone else. Oh, okay. So that was actually what uh, encouraged me to want to come to Australia. Yep. So, well, which country is closer to, to New Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> it's Australia. I said, well, maybe I could come over here yep. to play. So I put in an application to come into Australia. Yep. It wasn't long. Uh, we had the world financial meltdown. Yeah. And uh, the process of issuing visas and everything slowed down. And kind of, to cut the long story short, yep. um, I had issue with my club in Malaysia and it was settled by the Football Federation. Yeah. And they said, well, we want to settle your case. Journalist was invited because it was such a national issue. And yeah. And so I was able to to be compensated. Yep. Part of that com 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 uh, compensation was where would you like to go <laughs> for holiday? I yeah. said, well, uh, I'll go to Canada. Yep. So I left. They bought my ticket and I went and I left for Canada. Um, thought I could play there at pop level. Yep. But then you know Canada at the time was in the United States League. Yeah, okay. You know, it wasn't many clubs. It was Montreal, Park, Toronto, Lins, and Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah. And so, um, when I was at Alberta region at the time, based in Calgary. Yeah. So I settled for what they call a semi-pro club at the time. Yeah. Um, called Cali FC. And so, um, six months down the line, I wasn't happy. You know, because it wasn't a full professional team. Yeah, so yeah. Six months I left Canada, I went back to Malaysia. Yep. And that was how the story of me now coaching yep. started. So then, come over. When did you come over to Australia then? Um, six years after I applied for my visa. Yep. Uh, I was in Canada. Yep. <laughs> that was in 
2011. Yep. I just finished my air license, coaching course in the United States. Yep. Because after I came back to Malaysia in 2006, um, I started going to the United States to do my coaching qualification. Yep. So I started with the United States Soccer Federation C license. And yep. at the same year, I did the NSEA yep. diploma. And then the next year, which was 2010, uh, they invited me to do my B license. Yep. And then the NSEA national diploma. Yep. So I did both course. It was successful. The third year being 2011, I was invited to do my A license. Yep. And at the same time, I did the NSEA Premier Diploma. Yep. So I kind of completed all the all most important courses in the US. That's awesome. And then right after that, uh, Canada offered me a visa to come in and work as a coach. Yep. So from uh, US, I flew straight to Canada, um, going to Vancouver. Yep. And then I went to a small town called Abbotsford. Um, and then while I was in Abbotsford, was where I got the uh, contract to coach for a club called Langley FC. Yep. Uh, which is in that Vancouver, British Columbia uh, region. Yep. So I signed a contract that nine months down the line, coaching and working with the Utonda 18. Yep. I got an email from the Australian consulate. Yep. Uh, they said, well, your visa has been approved. Yep. And because I applied in Kuala Lumpur, yeah. they wanted me to come back. Kuala Lumpur to get it all stamped. Yeah, okay. You know, and yeah. everything. So, at the time, it was a difficult decision to make. Yeah. No doubt, Canada was a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, it's a few things that made me decide to come to Australia. Yeah. And I think the most important thing was proximity. Yep. Because I've already made Malaysia like my second home, my family. I had two kids born in Malaysia. Yeah. At the time, I had one. Yep. Um, and so, and I had my soccer academy, which was going on yep. very well in Malaysia. My wife had a veterinary cleaning. Yep. And the business was going well. So, the proximity of looking over those businesses was a deciding factor. Yep. You know, it takes about 19 hours to fly from Malaysia yep. to Vancouver. Yep. 67 hours from Penang to Adelaide. Yep. So, I felt well. It would be best to come to Australia. That, yeah. I decided. And how's your experience been so far in Australia? It's been a mixed feeling. Yeah. Financially, I would say I was more comfortable in Malaysia. Yeah. Uh, Australia is a beautiful country. Offers yep. a lot of opportunities and so on and so forth. Um, but then, uh, in terms of investment, I think I made a wrong investment when I came here. Kind of put all my money into a business that didn't really uh, go well. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That was uh, an issue with me. I couldn't take that uh, very well. Yep. But other than that, she's uh, here. Yep. Uh, my son is 15 now. Yep. And uh, he's in one of the best schools in Adelaide. Awesome. Writing, running as, uh, as uh, music. I yep. Got into it through music. Yep. My daughter is into Aubrey, an agricultural school. Yep. And, uh, she want to be a volunteer grower. Yep. Um, do any well, of that? Do any of them play soccer? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really don't have much choice. choice. <laughs> I started them when they were three, so now they could work. Yeah. Um, and since then, they've come a long way. That's good. Getting their skill level up. Yep. So they are the edge now and a little bit uh, relaxed. And yep. Wanting other coaches to influence their style of play. Yep. Uh, you know. And then, so you coach, you were coaching in Adelaide as well. 
um, with oh, the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, all along. Um, yeah. When I arrived in Adelaide, my first club was a club called uh, Plankton Bulldog. Yep. They were in the amateur. That contract didn't last very long. It was three months. Yep. We decided to go as a freeway. Yep. For some reasons. Um, and then I went into a club called Plankton. Uh, um, called uh, Stud Lions. Yep. At the time they were in Division 2. Tried coming back as a player. Yeah. Uh, as a coach. Played for them one yep. season, but then my growing was always a constant issue. Yeah, okay. Top playing. Yeah. Uh, and then went into coaching. So they made me the junior director position I had for two years. At the same time, they got me to coach the under 18. Yep. After that experience, I felt it would be best if I should concentrate with the junior development because yep. I wasn't happy though 18 years uh, old. I wasn't happy with the quality of players, the skill level. Yep. I thought I could do more in terms of preparing the young ones to, to the demand of modern football and everything. So I worked with this club for four years until, and have continually until last year. They brought me in to coach the reserve team. Yep. Club actually moved from being a second division to a Premier League team. That's in awesome. The, uh, South Australian uh, Premier League. So I coached the reserve last year. Uh, at the same time, I moved from being the junior director to advanced director. Yep. Um, it's a position where kind of identify uh, talented players within the club. Yep. And, uh, it's a very big club as well, probably up to 900 kids now yep. in the club. And it's growing, it's getting better. So as the advanced director of coaching, kind of mentor some of the coaches and at the same time, develop these uh, players with uh, talent and potential. And yeah. Getting them prepared for the demand of the game, both physical, mentally, and uh, technically as well. Yep, now that's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And I suppose just going back to a bit of coaching, is that something you always wanted to, like, wanted to be as a coach? I wouldn't say I sat down and thought about becoming a coach, just like uh, me becoming a pro soccer player. Yeah. Um, I think everything was uh, fluid, you know, and spontaneous, if yep. you put it that way. You know, when you've played at that level, um, there's always the demand to give back. Yeah. And when you see kids struggling with the game and you feel there's something you could do to correct it, mm -hmm. you know, it's an instinct that just kicks in. Yep. What can I do to help? I yeah. guess that's how I went into coaching. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. Next one, how important is physical preparation, nutrition, and then like how important is it for performance and lifestyle? Yeah, that, that's huge, man. Today, uh, it's a lot of preparation that goes into nutrition and mental and all that kind of stuff. Uh, science is, is playing a big role as well. Um, so I would say today's sports people are very lucky. Yeah. Back in the days, it wasn't so much. Yeah. But then, during my time, it was still uh, an issue, of course. Uh, rest is, is, is one important factor. Yeah. You are advised to abstain from partying and sleeping late night if you have a game the next day. Yeah. So it boils down to an individual. The yeah. players that think I could do whatever I want to do the night before and still be able to play. But yeah. I don't think uh, they're very correct with that analysis. Yeah. But in my part, if I have a game set on Saturday, yeah. um, I try to stay away from partying, clubbing, um, and I wasn't into drinking, eating, or smoking. So yeah. that was a personal discipline and choice. Yeah. And so um, that helped me a lot as well. Awesome. Um, 
Another thing I do in terms of physical preparation is to get myself really fit. Yeah. Um, over the years, for experience, I came to understand my body, how it works and function. Uh, with the kind of food, yep. you know, that helps me perform optimum. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, bodies are different. Yeah. Bodies that's... react different. It doesn't matter what exactly you right. say, but you can just feed everybody the same thing and expect the same result. Yeah. So, yeah, in my case, I was able to understand what sort of food I needed and when to eat. Yeah. Very important. Um, you don't want to eat 30 minutes heavy meal before you get those kind of stuff, you know, light meal and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I the body to digest and produce uh, all the energies that is required. So, yeah, as soon as I was able to understand all those and uh, begin to apply them, it, it really did help me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's, as I said before, everyone's different. So, mm. food preparation is different for people too. So, yeah. I think that's spot on there. I was just going to say, did you have a routine at all before you played or anything? I do have a physical, um, a spiritual routine. Yep. Um, prayer is one. Yep. You know, some people believe others don't. Yep. But you know, you always, prayer in the sense is it's more like meditation. Yep. Uh, there's always a time before we get ready to lay on, on your back, um, face up, close your eyes and try to visualize the game. Yep. So you kind of play the game in your mind before the actual game. Yep. Um, you know, visualize situations where you probably, for me as a midfielder, Visualize the players, what they usually do, the yeah. speed, and, and then I had to visualize how I could maneuver, cut them back, make them look silly, and yep. I'm always a, a kind of a dominant midfielder, Yep. so I want to make sure I control my territory, and I use the principle of the Serengeti, yep. uh, the animal white park in Africa, Yep. where the lion is always wanting to dominate his territory. Yeah. Part of the things they do is going around peeing here and there, spreading their scent, and so that when others smell it, yep. they know this area is south. For me, as a midfielder, I like to mark my territory. Yep. And the way I do that is by doing skills. Yep. That leaves the opponent wondering, gee, what is that? Yep. Probably don't want to go too close to this player, otherwise it's going to make me look stupid. So yeah. I do that in the beginning of the game. Yep. And then the moment I get that respect, I start flowing freely. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that meditation, the prayer is what helps me before the game. Unreal. That's awesome to hear. It's, and that's um, something different that I haven't heard from different people. So and I know a big one is meditation for people just before games on anything so that's really awesome to hear as well last one i just want to touch on what brought you to Boralura? yeah it's still a question that is hard for me to answer <laughs> could be one of those my spontaneous uh, decisions yep but I, I followed jmf three years ago yep probably because of my adventure in life where i've been to so many places lived in different countries uh so there's always that out for me to to move yep um, and so when I looked at the website, uh, probably I wasn't ready three years ago. I did apply to come in and I didn't get it or I didn't follow up. And so when I saw the opportunity last year, um, I kind of thought, okay, um, I've given so much in Adelaide. Uh, it could be an opportunity to come to rural area, see uh, the, the hubs they're getting in terms of uh, soccer development. Yep. 
and see how I can help. So genuinely, I really wanted to help the kids here yeah. to improve their skills. And you know, at the end of the day, um, it's about what you legacy you left behind. Yep. It's not about wealth accumulation and stuff like. For me, those are not the things that make me happy as a person. Yep. But my helping others, uh, transferring my skill, and seeing people utilize the skills I've, you know, given them is what really makes me happy and satisfied. So yeah. I guess that would be part of the reason. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I do see that with your coaching, uh, helping them so much, and you give you do give a lot to the kids. So it's um yeah, it's really great to see. I think for you, it's a it's a challenge every day. So it's not every day is the same as we spoke about before. So yeah. I think uh, you have a lot of patience for the kids, but um, I think slowly they are like uh, improving each each mm-hmm. day. So it's um it's unreal to see as well. Yeah, passion is key word, man. <laughs> <laughs> the rural area is totally different, so yeah, you know you gotta have to devise means and improvise in situations to to make it work and get the kids to understand. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been an incredible chat. I've, I've loved it as well. I've learned lots out of it too. So I really do appreciate your time and jumping on the podcast today, Darlington. Thank you. Is there anywhere, do you, have, do you have social media or anything or is there anywhere that people could keep up to date with? Yeah, um, not oh. too, too big into social media. That's all right, um, yeah. Especially well, now that I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I have a Facebook page called uh, 433 Soccer Gym. So yeah, you could check it out uh, if you're looking to see a bit of what I do. Awesome, yeah, I'll chuck that in the show notes of, uh, at the end of the show so you guys can go check that out uh, for Darlington Page there. But thanks again so much. I know you guys are going to take lots of value and knowledge out of today's episode. Yeah, can't wait to share it with you guys and look forward to talking to you next episode. Enjoy the rest of your day.